Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Merrifield family is headed back to Cabo. The kids are coming on this trip, and Danielle's parents, instead of a wedding, me and Roberta are going to start trying to have a baby. This will be me and Bert's room, huh? Yeah. It's going to be interesting seeing you with Bert. I don't know. If, I don't know about you kissing her and to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, Seeking Sister Wife Edition. This episode didn't feel like a finale. I, I'm assuming that the season finale must be next week. They didn't announce it as such, but I'm trying to remember, does TLC announce season finales? I can't remember, but this episode felt like a season finale. Next episode's preview looks like a season finale. It seems like we wrapped up a bunch of storylines and what appears to be happening next week is we're just going to be focusing on the Snowdens and Joel and Danielle, which fair. (laughs) Now I was thinking last night, what do we do with a show like this? Because I'm wondering if when the executives and the producers made this show they came up with the concept of the show is it supposed to be a true rolling cast member situation because the point is it's people who are actively seeking sister wives not people who have found them and to see how it works so i'm As I've been watching this season, I'm thinking like, okay, what really can we do? Because pretty much all of them, whether it's happened on the show or not, have failed in seeking the sister wives that they feel like they need. And so what does next season look like? Are we just finding a whole new batch of people? That must be the case. I'm rambling. Let me talk about the episode. (laughs) We're going to start with... I guess the minions, there was really nothing happening with them. Like I said, it just felt like they were completing their storyline. The only thing that we saw of them was them outside in the backyard with the world's shortest uh, slip and slide. And, um, you know, King Minion's chocolate is melting, as Vanessa would so eloquently put. And it seems like a hot day in North Carolina. So they're trying to... 
I don't know. King Minion says I he's basically been wavering since the breakup with Kayla. Um, he's had a little bit of a bruised ego, which is something that I think, you know, he would stand to benefit from. If, if we will. Um, he said that he's been feeling some type of way. And, um, you know, there was a point where he was waking up in the morning and thinking about so many things and just wanting things to get better. And he was disappointed with the relationship and how it ended with Kayla. And he was starting to beat himself up about it. Like, why would I bring, why would I try to bring somebody into this relationship if a situation like Kay- Kayla is going to happen? Meaning, it's just going to fail. Well, you know, that's sort of the risk that you take getting into any relationship. Anybody could break up with you. There are literally no guarantees. So I don't know what to tell you, King Minion. This, it's the entitlement. This is why I call him King Minion is that he clearly expects every or any woman that he sets his beady little eyes on to just fall at his feet and be his queen And yeah, that's not the reality of the situation, my guy. And it's never going to be. So I'm glad that you had this like sad little moment where you're sitting with your legs, you know, uh, going back and forth on the edge of your bed. Like, I I don't care. That's funny to me. Anyway, he says that he had this aha moment where his daughter came into the room and was like, wake up, daddy. It's going to be a great day. So you're saying that you were sitting here thinking about how polygamy has failed <laughs> and your young daughter was the one who brought you back to reality. Okay. All right. Um, he starts to get emotional in a confessional and says that he thinks um, sometimes if it weren't for his kids, that he would lose himself as a man. Now to me, from what we've seen of King Minion is that, I'm assuming what he means by that is that he feels like he does not really have the control that he feels like he's owed or he deserves um, as a man, okay, as a football coach or whatever he coaches, as a as a uh, alpha. <laughs> and the kids really bring it back into perspective. But I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, oh, you're seeing that you have... Uh, however many kids, three kids that defer to you and who look to you as their um, superior. And that's what's pulling things into focus for you. I would just like not confuse what's happening with your relationship with your children and what's happening with your romantic relationships and your um, attempts to be polygamous. That's just my opinion. Okay. But then after we do all this like gloom and doom and I had this like, sad moment with myself um he says that they are still courting krista the girl that we met last week who was the 37 year old mom from texas and they're like you know she just seems like she has it all together and they're excited so what would what was the sob story about you're still courting this woman and you're actually both really into her and think that you have a bright future with her so i'm just very confused but whatever they're talking about how she checks off all their boxes and has reignited their love for the lifestyle. And then Vanessa does says something. Are you guys ready for this? Completely groundbreaking. She says, um, you should seek out somebody who wants the same things as you. Well, I'll be damned. Well, I'll be damned. You w- turns out you can't just, um, 
get any 22 year old off of Instagram and expect her to mold into being a mother and a wife and a nanny. Maybe the easier path would be finding people who are already along the same roads that you've been going down and have the same plans and future, uh, you know, potential as you. Wow. What a concept. What a concept. Um, King Dominion says that he would ultimately like to have as many as four lives. Like, I'd like to see you try. I'd like to see you try. No, I don't. Do I want... If this is their official exit scene and they're setting up a potential for a season four of them being on the show, um, I say no thank you. No thank you. All right, let's move on to the Tammy and Sophie show. So they're going to the park to discuss Kimberly's visit. And I had to laugh because I told y'all about that hilarious scene where they tried to like out themselves to the polygamous community of, of Southern Utah. Um, and they did it by turning their daughter's birthday party into you know, some sort of I'm coming out situation at their local park and nobody showed up because it was a Sunday morning and everybody else was in church. So I'm thinking this must be the same park that they tried to out themselves and completely failed. <laughs> I had to laugh. I had to laugh. Um, Tammy says something about how they hadn't mu had much time with the kids since uh, Kimberly was in town, but wasn't she only there for two days? <laughs> okay. Um, Sophie and Tammy really enjoyed the visit. They're talking about all the great times of them um, cooking dinner and making that like Watergate salad and, and the times that they were all helping each other. I noticed that they didn't really say a whole lot about liking Kimberly as a person. They just found her to be a functional potential cog in their wheel of what they're trying to do. Um, interesting. I found that to be very interesting. Now, obviously the next step is whether or not Colton felt a spark with her or if he feels like there's potential. Wow. To the surprise of anybody who even saw about a second and a half of the interaction between Colton and Kimberly, Colton and Kimberly, um, would, wouldn't you be shocked to find out that he continued to not feel a spark with her and was not interested at all? Wow. Wow. A bombshell drop. <laughs> now, you know how people always say that the opposite of love is not hate, it's actually indifference. And I think that's exactly what's happening here, is that Colton says he didn't really feel anything towards Kimberly and that he would have expected to feel something if he felt like God was calling Kimberly to be a good fit for their family. But guess what, you guys? He felt nothing. <laughs> and so Sophie says, so have you decided then? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he has. <laughs> Seems pretty obvious to me, Soph. But anyway, he actually does say, I haven't made a final decision yet, but I also don't want... Tammy and Sophie to think that there's more to the situation when there's not. So for some reason, he seems like he's not afraid, but definitely hesitant to tell them that he's not interested in them in Kimberly at all. And I wonder why that is like, you're the one who's going to have to, you know, 
<laughs> sock it to her, bro. You're the one who's going to have to have sex with her. You're the one who's going to have to have a romantic relationship with her. So just say that you aren't feeling it. It's okay. It's okay. In a confessional, Colton says that it wasn't like Kimberly wasn't checking off boxes for him, but he thinks that there was just a weird thing that he couldn't exactly put his finger on what didn't feel right about the situation and about Kimberly, but that at the end of the day, he just didn't feel anything. And that's what he found so puzzling about the situation. Now, maybe Colton was picking up on the same vibes that myself and a bunch of other of you guys were picking up on with Kimberly, which is that like, you know, maybe this situation is more of a situation that she wants to hide herself in and not actually survive and thrive in. Right? Colton picked up on that too. So in the end, Colton says officially he does not want to continue on with the courtship, but he doesn't care if Tammy and Sophie continue their friendship with Kimberly, which they seem like they're probably going to do. So in a confessional, Sophie starts crying about the kids or something. I Honestly, I don't really care. But I mean, it was something about like, <laughs> I should be more sensitive. <laughs> because honestly, like half of me just wasn't really paying attention. But the other half did pick up on, you know, how happy they were to like have a new baby and how they're hoping that uh, Tammy can have a new baby soon. And I do hope that for them. I really do. I hope that we see more cute babies because I will say that they do. Have, their children are very cute. So congrats to them. And, uh, you know, congrats to Kimberly's wild child hat. Let's just line up all our rejections in a row and move on to squeaky and guyliner. So it's time for their group date that Alexandra set up. Now, when they were on their date, Alexandra and guyliner, it was incredibly apparent what Alexandra was saying to Guyliner, which is that I'm not into you, but I am still slightly interested in polygamy as a concept. So what I would like to do is meet up with you guys, but mostly squeaky to see like what the hell is in it for her. So the fact that they're going into the situation as though this is like a date or something that should be referred to as a date, as if they're like moving towards the next step of getting to know each other on a more intimate level is like tee hee hee for me, but <laughs> let's go on. Um, so let's, you know, like refresh what Alexandra said. She said, you know, she wasn't sure about having and raising children. Also, she wasn't trying to stop dating the several gentlemen that she was dating. But nevertheless, Squeaky persists. And she says, you know, I didn't know that polygamy was for me when I found myself in this situation. And not until I did it did I find out that I liked it. And it wasn't an overnight thing for me. So Alexandra comes over they treat her to a plate of a couple chunks of watermelon and one of those like cracker sticks. I don't know what you call them, but they're like, they're like sticks, but they're like a cracker. You know what I mean? Um, and they usually have like sesame on them. Yeah. Y'all know what I mean. But anyway, they sit down to like, you know, have a, treat yourself to a hunk of watermelon and 
let's chat. And Alexander says to Sweeky, I don't want to ask, like, what's in it for you, but what's in it for you? <laughs> and Squeaky says she wasn't raised in a polygamous family. She doesn't have that in her history, but she really took to having a close relationship with the sister wife and the companionship of that. So this is what is interesting to me is that Squeaky and Guyliner always paint their past situation with Guyliner's baby mama as this great thriving situation in which everything like fell into place and they were all good and they all got along and everybody was so happy. But if that was true, why did she leave? You know, didn't they say to us in the beginning that they guyliner and his first wife thought everything was cool and that this is what they wanted. And here comes squeaky with her, you know, ever present optimism and, puppy dog eyes and she didn't really like the way things went and so she was like deuces this isn't the life for me so I'm just a little bit confused about them trying to rewrite history a bit because ultimately it doesn't really seem like Squeaky would have had that great of an experience if the first wife couldn't handle it but okay so then Alexander tries to figure out if she turns to Squeaky and says so do you have kids I know there are three children in this situation, but are any of them biologically yours? And they're like, no, they're all guyliners. And she then says, Squeaky says that her plan is to leave the child planning up to when they find a new sister wife. Because in her mind, she doesn't want a potential to come into the situation thinking that, this is a complete family unit and that she has to fold in completely to them. So she's waiting for the next lady to come so they can talk about it together and figure out when is the right time for her to have a child. I have so many questions <laughs> about this because first of all, I don't know how old Squeaky is, but you know, I don't know. Just relying, waiting on having a child for a concept of a person who may or may not ever come to wait for them so that they can feel included in the whole situation. It just feels like a crapshoot at this point because y'all have been broken up with so many times and surprise to y'all in a few seconds, you're about to get broken up with again. So Squeaky goes on to say that she wasn't really feeling very maternal in the beginning and that she got to know the kids, but now she feels like I am a mom. They call me mom. We have a very mother-child relationship and I'm all in. Now, I'm with Alexander here is that um, I'm not going to take you as a determinant for what might happen in my future because squeaky looks like she will adapt and adjust to damn near everything and be extremely happy, which is why I've been calling her squeaky from, from the beginning, because I just feel like in another life, in another decade, she would have found herself outside of that courtroom singing for Charles Manson. So I, you know, Good for you for developing the spirit of discernment, Alexander, because 
I just don't know many things. Like, you know, if, if Squeaky had grown up on the East Coast, you know, in upstate New York, she probably would have found herself in Nexium. Y'all see that, right? Because I do. So Alexandra says, yeah, I don't really think that I would feel as gung-ho about the motherhood aspect as you were. Like, I used to want to have kids, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily in my plan now. I'm not sure how I would go about that just yet. Alexandra seems to really be leaning into the fact that she is clearly not as mature as her age would denote that she should possibly be. <laughs> if anything, it kind of seems like Alexandra has regressed. How did we go from you being a, a preschool teacher to you being like, I can barely take care of myself. How can I have children? I don't know. It just seems like maybe, you know, there have been a couple of mushroom trips that have been enlightening to Alexandra and now she doesn't know which way is up. So Guyliner asks Alexandra, what is it that you're looking for? And she says, well, I just, you know, I always have curiosities about things, but I'm not sure if I could commit to a polygamous relationship because I'm only now starting to explore and it just feels like it would be unfair to you guys to, you know, continue and tell you I want to keep things going and prevent you guys from finding a good fit because I don't think that person is me. I love this, like, it's not you, it's me breakup. Like, I just wouldn't want to stop you guys from finding somebody who actually works because I'm not going to be that person for you just to be abundantly clear. Just say you don't want, like, I know it's hard to break up with people to their face. But also, you've only been on one date <laughs> and you already laid the groundwork for this breakup. So just, just say it. Poor Squeaky's staring at her with like pleading deer lost in the woods eyes. Like, oh, like her heart is broken. You've met this woman for you, you know, you've been in her presence for about 15 minutes, maybe 25 if we want to, um, include the Skype date that you, you know, <laughs> chimed in on, like, it's okay. It's okay, you guys. You'll, you'll live to see another day. So in a confessional, it seems like it finally occurs to Squeaky and Guyliner what was happening with Alexandra, which is that she was purely just curious about polygamy as a concept and just wanted to know what the T was. And this was not for her ultimately. Um, so then they end their scene still in the confessional. A producer asks, do you guys think that finding somebody is going to happen for you? Squeaky says she gets choked up every time she thinks about the possibility of it not happening. And then like really has to collect herself and Guyliner has to soothe her because she really is like crying, but she's also doing that. Like I'm laughing or smiling and still crying because I clearly don't know how to process my emotions. And this is very awkward for me. Oh girl. Prayers up for Squeaky. I really do feel like she's probably a very nice girl, but I just think that there are some 
issues in her past that are leading her towards this situation. And I just wonder, has anybody explained to Squeaky the concept of friendship? Because you don't have to have this companionship relationship with a woman who's fucking your man. Like, y'all can just be friends. She can come over to the house. You guys can compare, you know, Nick's eye palettes with one another. You can braid each other's hair. It seems like she loves to braid people's... Like, doesn't Squeaky seem like she would just love to brush somebody's hair? You know, she's got that kind of vibe. Um, You can just find a friend, girl. (laughs) Bumble has a BFF... uh, switch that you can turn on if you you just want to find friends just get a friend just get a friend man just get a friend a friend and he she doesn't have to have sex with your with your man she doesn't okay all right you guys let's talk about the snowdens it's the big day, the big moment, the moment we've all been waiting for after finding out the news of the divorce and the abuse allegations. Ugh, finally, the moment is here and Dimitri and Crystalline are going to get engaged. What a heartwarming storyline they had this week. Um, we see, we start off with Ashley helping Dimitri pick through his just horde of hideous clothing options to pick the perfect ensemble for the occasion my god they put three options on the bed and the first one is the pirate shirt from Seinfeld or like something that he got out of Sidian's closet it's like a you know mandarin collar white flowy sleeved with the um rope (laughs) and the grommets that you like crisscross the rope in you know like a shoe Oh, it's giving Pirates of the Caribbean. It's, I would say no if I were Crystalline for a lot of reasons, but I mean, add the shirt onto the list of that. Um, Next, we have this like hideous tie-dye blue and yellow monstrosity that he ends up wearing and he pairs it with a pair of white linen, of course, transparent, so you can see the pocket right through it, pants, um... He looked like he was about to bust out with, like, the smoothest capoeira routine that you've ever seen in your life. Um, he, yeah, he, his giving. A- another outfit that I would have to say no to. So, apparently, Chrissy's been with the family for about ten months now. I'm assuming this includes um, just them getting to know each other via Skype and her first visit to L.A., Oh my god. I It just felt like, didn't it feel like there was a cloud over the whole situation? And based on the things that Chrissy was saying, it just seemed like there was a very real apprehens- apprehensive aura. An aura of apprehension, if you will, around this whole situation. So, Ashley and Dimitri sit down and appears at first, much like everything that Ashley does is that she's very chill and cool about the whole situation. But did you notice that for the first time in my recollection, she was wearing a black bindi. It was just one black block with three little lines underneath. And that just, I don't know. It was giving me gloom and doom. I can't speak for the rest of you, but I actually always, this is another reason why I don't like them. It's like, if you guys have a feeling 
Like you don't have to act like you're so evolved and above normal human emotions. Like Ashley will sit there and talk a good game, but the more you listen to her, the more it's obvious. Just read her face. She's always got a stank face. Like, you know, she has gotten a whiff of Dimitri's underarms and that crystal deodorant that they try to use still isn't working after years of trying to convince yourself otherwise. Those things don't work, you guys. I'm sorry. They don't work. Okay? They don't. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Where was I? Like, you might as well just not be wearing anything. Anyway, um, it just, Ashley's, talk, like I said, talking a good game about being supportive, but she clearly, clearly is not. Um, so they get in the car and Dimitri says something along the lines of, oh, we haven't had a date like this since before the lockdown. And Crystalline says, yeah, so this would make us, this would make it our second date of our relationship. And boy, what a date it turned out to be. (laughs) So the plan is, again, a very freaky, sneaky, creepy around Dimitri move. His plan is to just drive her around LA to a certain point. He's just going to tell her they're going to a venue. (laughs) And then at one point he pulls over to the side of the road and blindfolds Crystalline and just continues to drive around aimlessly. Well, not aimlessly, because they're just heading back to the house. So he made her get all dressed up in her heels and her freakum dress and to sit in a car for probably 25 minutes, half of which is blind, and just end up back at your snot-nosed kid's house, the place that you've been stuck inside for months 
Thank you. Now, granted, I understand that there are probably very limited uh, venues open for such an occasion, but Lord, it felt like a kidnapping. <laughs> I think we're all at the point where we're realizing that relationships that only existed in the pandemic are maybe not things that we should necessarily dive headfirst into, you know? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, so they, while they're driving around, um, Ashley and the kids are decorating the place. So <laughs> poor Ashley, not not poor Ashley, but also poor Ashley of just being like, I'm stuck with these. I don't honestly five to twelve children. Um, we're having to decorate. I can't tell them what this occasion is for because I don't want to ruin the moment for crystalline but now here i am with these children decorating for the engagement of my husband and this other woman and they're actually going to be legally married like she probably did not feel so great about that i would have to imagine um ashley's talking in a voiceover about how there's a possibility that chrissy will say no to them and that maybe they've misread the signs, but honestly, like I couldn't even really pay attention because part of the decorations are those little electric tea lights that you put inside a, like a paper bag, like a lunch bag. And it's supposed to admit, emit like a, you know, an ambiance. Sometimes they have little designs cut inside them. So they, you know, make the shadow of that or whatever. Um, Half of them <laughs> were just, like, blown over. Did you guys notice that? The ghetto. So Dimitri pulls up in the driveway, and he has to lead Chrissy out of the car and down this, like, little alleyway pathway that is on the side of the house that leads to the backyard. And he starts saying some bullshit about how we're walking down these paths, and these steps symbolize our journey, and whatever direction you're going is the right way. <laughs> Okay. And then he takes the blindfold off and Chrissy's first reaction is, we're at home? <laughs> and then Dimitri gets down on one knee and he says, I want to know if you and the girls will allow me to give you a home and my heart forever. Now, I wasn't sure if he said a home and my heart or a home in my heart. Either way, that ends up not being true. But um, she says yes and then says, She's in shock because 10 years ago, she would not have imagined ever being in a polygamous relationship, but now she can't imagine seeing herself with anybody else or living with another family. And then Chrissy sits down and Ashley and the ch kids have set up a little table that has a, you know, bottle of champagne and a bucket of ice and a little teddy bear and some candles. And on, he takes the teddy bear. He, he takes the um, ceremonial anklet off. And this is where, you know, I just have questions because I did my Googles about, you know, I am a very good internet detective. I feel like I can find any answer to any question that you want to know about your friend's boyfriend. Like, I got you. I am like a, like, true encyclopedia brown when it comes to like digging things up could not find a single thing about this taino kuba um reference that he was making about how 
this is a part of his heritage that the Cubans in um the Taino Cubans um do an anklet where you put you pop the question and you put the anklet on your right ankle and then when you get married you put it to your left ankle and then there's also a ring involved and I could not find anything about it everything that I could find had to do with Dimitri like is Dimitri Taino what is this can you does anybody confirm that this is like an actual tradition is this one of these you know tricks that Dimitri's playing like that fake um Havid Yad accent that he's doing um what's tea I could not find anything. I looked at several <laughs> websites that seemed to be very um, knowledgeable about Taino culture. Could not find a thing. Okay. Okay. I also noticed that this anklet was seemingly more um, economical than the one that Vanessa got, if you will. Um, I remember Vanessa getting a very chic, like, all-diamond anklet but this one was more of like a it almost looked like a chandelier style where it just had little diamonds throughout but it was mostly like a gold rope I don't think it was actual gold I think it was just gold in color um I just wonder how she felt about that and that just felt like a lot of anklet it just for something that you were supposedly having to wear for the rest of your life. It just felt like a big commitment. It was like one of those church socks that you have to wear on Easter that you have to fold over as a little girl. It just felt like that much material. I don't know. It just, it, it was a lot of look. So in a voiceover, Chrissy says that she's nervous about the idea of getting a legal marriage since that's basically the only way that they're going to be able to stay in the country. Just she's giving up a lot and damn, it just felt like, like I said, like a cloud over the whole situation, knowing what we know now, dark, dark. Um, does anybody want to get darker by talking about, uh, Joel Osteen and Danielle? I do. (laughs) So They go out for their lucky number 13th wedding anniversary. I'm not sure if you're allowed to call it that when you're legally divorced, but sure. Do what you got to do, I guess. Um, They describe it as a a little bit different because in Joel's words, you know, we had to get a divorce in order to bring our second wife, Roberta, to America. So, great. Really seems like the number 13 is living up to its reputation because... This is about the most cursed relationship I've ever had the displeasure of watching. (laughs) So Danielle says, in spite of all of that, all of that, that is happening in their not relationship, um, it has brought Joel and Danielle closer and it's only made them love each other more. And Danielle legitimately looks like, yeah, for sure. And it just feels like in this moment, has Danielle forgotten that there have been cameras following her around for months, chronicling her descent into madness and depression and loneliness over the addition of Roberta in her life and her feeling like the third wheel all of the time? Okay, do you want to act like you're closer together? Fine, fine. It's your anniversary, but you get a day. And then somebody's going to have to tell you the truth. Not somebody's going to be me. Okay. So at the, do- at the table, Joel and Danielle order a couple of mojitos, you know, to get that 
feeling of the all-inclusive resort that they went to and he does a dose and witchy says that god has kept them together for these 13 years and danielle says yeah definitely god <laughs> oh, which god i'm not sure danielle and then joel says oh we should uh make a quick video for roberta so that she can see us and you could tell danielle immediately gets so uncomfortable especially when this creepy slimy weirdo blows a kiss at the camera and says i love you to roberta in the middle of dinner <laughs> and what is supposed to be your 13th wedding anniversary with another woman you can't give her five minutes <laughs> without being bringing roberta into the whole situation like damn damn Joel then completely flips the switch to talk about his one true love, Roberta, and how he just checked Roberta's visa status before they left and it's still on hold and how he's been struggling with the fact that he's trying to depend on God's timing, but he was praying for help. Like, truly, <laughs> this man is a monster. How dare you? Like... I haven't even gotten an appetizer yet. And you're talking about how upset you are to not be with the woman that you actually love. You cannot give this woman one course, not even a course of a meal without talking about Roberta and how much you love her. So as the fried calamari gets placed on their table, Joel's keeps talking about how he wants to knock up Roberta Clearly, the two very big sips of a mojito have given Danielle some liquid courage because she does tell Joel, listen, I know our boys are getting older. I know Roberta's not getting any younger. And I can't lie to you. I do wish you guys would wait on having the baby. And then Joel's reaction is that of when, like, the meme of the math equations just swirling around Zach Galifianakis's head he's just like what the concept of thinking about something other than whatever my penis wants which is Roberta and then also thinking about what else what you want me to think about other people's lives and how they might be affected by this completely stupid decision to knock a lady up with no guarantee of when you're ever going to be able to live together huh what what do you mean danielle <laughs> danielle has to very patiently and calmly bring up the abundantly fair point of what if roberta's visa gets denied and she has to have that baby in brazil like, I'm not trying to stop you guys, but I do want you to consider the whole family in this decision, and we all need to be prepared for what could possibly happen. And Joel says, the only thing that concerns him is himself. <laughs> well, thank you for joining the rest of the class, Joel. I think we all caught up on that about 15.87 seconds of you being on screen. Wow. Then Joel tries to turn it around on Danielle and all her stupid bitch negative thoughts and says, you know, I just, 
The really only thing that concerns me is people thinking that way, thinking negatively. And then he does some bullshit Bible verse that I'm not even sure was a real Bible verse or just, you know, something that was floating in that Dep gel head of his and just came to it as a thing to make Danielle feel bad about again. And he says... The verse is about how you should not think about the troubles of tomorrow because the troubles of today are enough. It's like, you don't have any troubles. You're making troubles for today. (laughs) You should never, like, let's act like any of this situation is just a normal relationship. Let's act like we live in a world in which... This is like a normal thing that he would be knocking up some woman without any real hope of ever getting to her on a permanent level. Let's act like he's just talking about a normal situation in which he is going to impregnate someone. And Danielle is just a friend of his. I would not want the guy that I was going to have a child with say something about how we should just not worry about the future Like, let's just, no, (laughs) no, no. Like, isn't literally half the point of having a child worrying about the future and what you're going to be doing with them and how you're going to raise them? (laughs) Seems like pretty substantial part of the whole child rearing thing, but okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay. Um, Danielle says, well, yeah, but there are also scriptures about being wise and preparing for the future. And Joel says, no, there aren't. Where? (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) The man is a psychopath. He's a psychopath. Danielle in a confessional says that Garrick is a very driven person. And when he gets an idea, he wants to go with it. But there are a lot of other things at stake. And, you know, people are going to be affected by this decision, namely her. Yeah. Yeah, Garrick. But, you know, you're not thinking about Danielle at any point in your relationship. Why start now? Um, At this point, like, I feel like I'm going to be directly affected by Roberta being pregnant. You know? Danielle then tries to appeal to whatever little sense that Joel has left in his brain and says, wouldn't you be upset about the idea of Roberta potentially being stuck in Brazil with your kid? And Joel's response is, 
Well, yeah, but then, like, what if she just doesn't have a kid and then she's stuck in Brazil and she doesn't have us either? So he thinks it's worse for her to be childless. Like, if the visa doesn't go through, it is a worse to him in his mind that she is just able to live her life free of this family because she can't legally come to the country than for her to be tied with a child <laughs> whose father lives in a different country and cannot really come visit. How is that? <sighs> okay. 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 Um, in a confessional, Joel says that Danielle does have some valid concerns because, you know, if for some reason Roberto's visa didn't go through, then he would have to go down to Brazil for a while. Okay, so... How self-centered is this man? So the only thing... She's saying, why don't you think about the whole family? Why don't you think about our children that are here? Why don't you think about um, uh, Roberta being left in Brazil with uh, without a father for the most part? And the only thing that he thinks of is how if Roberta had the baby, he would just leave everything behind. His business... His pre-existing family. You would be leaving your wife to be basically a single mother, which is what I know you really want to do anyway. And you would just live in Brazil. How are you going to work, my guy? (laughs) Where's the money coming from? Don't you have to be pretty hands-on with a construction business that seems pretty burgeoning for all intents and purposes? Like, oh my God. He's so self-centered. (laughs) he truly like that is a better idea for you for to make two single mothers basically is basically what you would be doing (laughs) but you know what maybe i should give him more credit and think this is probably part of his master plan maybe he's already (laughs) canceled the visa and was like let me get her pregnant Let me cancel the visa. I can just say, hey, Danielle, I'm going to go down to Brazil for a couple months to take care of the baby and then just never come back. Okay. That is a very viable theory, all things considered. Then he tries to say something about how God always answers prayers and God is going to get Roberta to Colorado. And this reminds me of Robin from Sister Wives. And this is one of the several dozen things that bothers me about Robin is that she is so of the mindset that just because you pray and because you want something, God is just going to give it to you and God will always provide. Now, the idea that God will always provide is perfectly fine. The idea that he is going to provide specifically what you ask for a hundred percent of the time is at best extremely naive. (laughs) Like, if that was the case, um, I, you know, things would be very different, (laughs) ma'am. I hate the idea that, like, you just, it really is just, like, an entitlement of, like, I want something, and I believe in God, so I'm doing you the favor of believing in you, and you're supposed to do me the favor of granting me all of my wishes. Danielle has a basically opposite a.k.a. reasonable feeling of which Joel says a lot of things um, that um, that there are a lot of things that are out of our control, but we 
Okay, let me start over. So Danielle has basically the opposite feeling of Joel's gimme, gimme, gimme more, gimme whatever I'm asking for, um, daddy Jesus, um, which is that a lot of things are out of your control. And things don't always happen the way you want it or the way you think that it should. But this whole experience has taught her that she can express her concerns and worries. But at some point, you have to just move forward and trust that things are going to work out how they're supposed to, not how you expect them to. I'm really wondering if Danielle is even that religious at all, because she seems to be a pretty critical thinker. She seems to be of two minds of that, like, this is something that God wants for them, which is increasingly becoming obvious that this is something that Garrick has pounded into um, Danielle's mind, is that this whole open up our marriage to multiple wives is their destiny. Um, but also she seems clearly, not seems, is clearly very like heartbroken and struggling with the idea of opening up the marriage and what that would mean for her. And clearly she's very focused on the fact that she thinks that she's going to get eventually pushed out of her relationship with Joel. Um, so I just wonder if how somebody could reconcile feeling like you're predestined by God to live a certain lifestyle, but also be constantly heartbroken and hurt by the situation because, (laughs) you know, like as much as it's not fair to assume that you're just going to get what you want because you're faithful. It's also like, not fair to think that you're you're just destined for a life of misery. <laughs> like God doesn't want you to be sad and loathsome and pained all the time either. So I just feel like she probably isn't as religious as she would like for us to believe. So they've officially decided and are going to Mexico to meet up with Roberta again. And this time they're going to be bringing their sons and also Danielle's parents. So apparently Garrick has no relationship with his family. And it seems like he's aware that he's kind of on shaky ground with Danielle's family. Because he says something along the lines of like he doesn't want to be judged by them. I tried to look up, y'all, what the deal is with Garrick and his his family, but I couldn't find anything. But I imagine it's got to have something to do with the fact that he's a complete narcissist, would be my guess. But who's to say? Um, so, Danielle's parents don't obviously really want her to be in a plural relationship, which... Danielle says, like, they've had some concerns about the plural relationship. Like, it was something that they happened in the past and that they've gotten through. And not like last episode or maybe two episodes ago where Danielle's mom was pretty direct in the fact that she thinks that Danielle's only going along with this because Garrick has uh, brainwashed her into doing so. But okay, if you want to... Okay. 
<laughs> Didn't she say that she hoped that Danielle would snap out of it? <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Um, They're going full court press on this pregnancy situation. They have planned their vacation dates around Roberta's ovulation schedule. Um, They are, you know, acting like they're being so cautious about COVID, even though they're flying, like, in the summer out of the country. But okay. Um, They're like, you know, we just want to be safe about COVID. So we decided to splurge a little bit to get basically which is like a bachelor in paradise mansion in order to inseminate roberta and all of everybody in the family can hear that oh no sister be back and all of you know the cries of passion throughout the many halls and rooms of this gorgeous mansion he really like they must i wonder like how much is them doing well financially and how much of this is Joel wanting to really splash out the cash on Roberta because that's his new bae. I like how much of this college fund are we dipping in for this incredibly nice villa? Like the place is beautiful. It's got this infinity pool in the backyard that you can see like the bluffs. It, like it's the house is on a cliff and you can see the ocean and it's just, stunning stunning (laughs) that they would pay for this because i know tlc was not paying for this resort i know that's not true um so they take a tour around the house and like very housewife style they go and look around the rooms and garrick decides to designate the best room that has the balcony that leads right into the hot tub for himself and roberta and Danielle makes this face because everybody's there. The boys are there. Her parents are there in that room when they hear him say it. And she smiles so hard. (laughs) And she has her hands wrapped around those drapes, like, just smile through it. You know? (laughs) Just smile through it so you don't. Cry. Like, I would not surprise me if she cracked a couple of her molars trying to keep it all together. So then they go out to the kitchen and the adults are all talking and they're waiting on Roberta to arrive. And Danielle's mom is also laughing to hide how weird she thinks this whole thing is and says, you know, sometimes I think I'm okay. And sometimes I just wonder how I'm going to react to this whole thing. <laughs> oh, LOL. So they ask her what she means. And she says, well, I mean, like... If I, in my mind, if I look at Roberta as another daughter, then I'm fine and I can understand this. But, like, I just don't know about you kissing her. (laughs) So, in a confessional, Danielle's dad says, we're definitely crazy for going through this. (laughs) This whole thing is weird and it's crazy that I have been um, forced to hop on this train, but here I am. Um, and, you know, I have concerns for them planning a a baby right away, but, you know, anything can happen. There's immigration that we have to look at. There's the COVID pandemic that we have to look at. And there's any sort of situation that could happen from this. And it's also worth mentioning that Roberta has no idea (laughs) that Danielle's parents are going to be along on this trip. So that'll be fun. 
That'll be so fun. And that was the end of the episode, you guys. We'll be back next week for maybe the season finale. Felt like it. I guess we'll see. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love you.